You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins, your host as always. It's been a few weeks now. I've been teasing a conversation about the land industry with you guys for a little while now. And today's the day we get my favorite sales agent in the land space into the studio to give us an update on where things are at. It's a pretty precarious time in land in Western Australia. If you look at the data points, if you hear some anecdotes, Damon Strang, thank you very much for coming in, mate. I look forward to this conversation. No, thank you for having me, Trent. Good to be here. It's been a couple of years since you've been on the first time, isn't it? Probably two years ago, I would have thought. So yeah, yeah it has been a little while. So a lot, of, lot has happened and a lot has changed. But yeah, I think bright times ahead overall. Let's go back to that first episode you came on the podcast, Damon. It was September 2020. So the building grants had just been released a couple of months earlier. We've gone through that first phase of COVID and the market obviously is absolutely gangbusters on that house and land space. Take us back to that time. They were fun times, not that now isn't a fun time either, but with that stimulus, I think even you go back a few months before I came on, six months before I came on, we were probably sitting going, this is gonna be a, a tough couple of years. A lot of confidence had left the market, not only the house and land market, but the established market. COVID hit, and we thought, oh no, but then a bit of stimulus and it, like you said, went gangbusters for, for quite a while. And it was good times. And I think I wish if I had my crystal ball back then, I wish I'd bought 10 or 15 lots and built homes because I'd be sitting very pretty now and probably retired as opposed to be sitting with you, Trent. Well, to be frank, <laughs> if you'd bought 10 or 15 lots in September 2020, you might still be building them. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a small chance, yes, depending on what I was building, that that could be the and case. And which builder you were with. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So yeah, when I say it was a perfect, storm I do feel a bit for the industry and the industry's copying a bit of flack at the moment in terms of build time frames even title dates etc I think we've got to take a step back sometimes and go look it's not the only industry that's been hit by supply issues delays etc I think it's sometimes just easy to throw mud at it a bit but look I, I don't deal with any developers I don't deal with any builders who are purposely trying to delay land subdivisions, build times, etc. No, with the cost of interest right now, the last thing a land developer or builder wants yeah. to do is delay them getting paid. Exactly right. right. And that you hit the nail on the head and we sometimes have to point that out to customers on the land side that if there are short title delays, the developer wants their money. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a charity. They do do it to make a profit. So look, it's just been unfortunate. No one's to blame. Um, well, there's a lot of people to blame and no one's to blame at the same time. Yeah. When you think about title delays, there are reasons that some land is not getting delivered when it was supposed to. For example, delays on receiving retaining blocks, delays on drainage liners, all those sort of things that people don't really think about when, when it comes to why can't that land be created. But also, you know, government side things, you know, land gates got its delays. Western power is an absolute mess and has been for a couple of, of years now. If you needed a transformer, in your land development, it would take longer to deliver the transformer than it would to develop the whole land estate. Yes. So These you, are the things holding up titles. You've summed, you've summed that up perfectly. And the other thing you've said correctly is, whilst there's probably a lot of blame that could go around, is who do you blame? Because mm. everyone's probably got their story. Like you've just pointed out, some developers are waiting months for, for limestone bricks. Then they've got to get them laid. You might be waiting on Landgate. You might be waiting on energisation from Western Power. So there's just a, a number of things that could go on. That didn't used to be an issue. It used to be much more streamlined. No, it? and I think 
it did used to be much more streamlined. I think there's things that could have been done better, but I also think with the volume of sales that went through the industry, it was boom time volumes, and I don't think anyone was prepared for what was coming. It snuck up on everyone and all of a sudden bang, and now everyone has been playing catch up for a long time. So what we had in the space of three or four months was a year, a year and a half worth of land sales. Correct. What happened since then and up to now? How's the experience been? I'm generally conservative by nature. I'm very optimistic about the market. Last year was another very good year on land sales and I didn't see volumes come off too much. Towards the end of last year and starting this year, volumes have come off a little, but I'm by no means sitting there worrying about the volume of sales. There's still demand there. And I think there's still an underlying demand, which will bear fruit in the second half of this calendar year. When I look at the stats, Damon, I see pretty much consistently every week, we have about 50 land sales. How does that compare to three, four years ago? The stats you sort of got to take with a, a pinch of salt because you may be not getting all the land sales coming through. If it's sitting anywhere 80 to 100 land sales a week, that's where I go is, is probably a norm. And that's what we'd base our business on. Um, We've seen consistently for about a year now, at least, not get much higher than 50 a week. Even at 50 a week, as long as you're not seeing the cancellation rates, that's sort of sustainable. And I think what we will see moving forward, interest rates will settle down, build timeframes will slowly come back to normal, albeit it's going to take a little bit of time. And I think the underlying demand that's there will bear fruit and sales will tick back up. Because whilst sales have come off slightly, we're still seeing the same inquiry. Okay, so people want to do something, people are looking to do something. I think there's just too many things at the moment that's there's holding a lot of people hesitancy. back. There's yes. A, there's a lot of hesitancy around affordability, around whether they can actually find a builder that can build and whether that build price will be comparable to simply going out and buying an established house and renovating it to a newer spec or not renovating it. Those are the issues that I assume you would find every day, the pushback to being able to go and sell that block of land or, or get it reserved. Agreed. So, and on those points you've made, I think we all know interest rates are going to settle down. So well, We think, hope so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm fairly confident they will, not that I have a direct line to the RBA. I'm not a builder, but in terms of what I'm hearing from our builder partners, etc., is I think the price rises are close to topping out. So I don't think you're going to see some of the price rises we've seen over the last two years. Once again, I'm not a builder, but that's what I'm hearing. What I would say to your listeners, though, is don't expect any time soon. And when I say any time soon, the next two, three years to prices to build prices to come back. So this is a new norm in terms of build that's prices. Right. Yes. And that's what's going to make it hard for a while to come, I think, in a land mm. space for the market to justify the land purchase and then the, the house build in comparison to simply going out there and buying the existing house that's 5 to 10 or 15 years old that's well built in the first place. There still seems to be a bit of a gap between the $600,000 10-year-old house that's got all the things you need in it and the $750,000 house and land package for a new house next door. Yeah, It's tough for people to swallow at the moment. Agreed in certain suburbs, the gap's got too much, but I think there's still suburbs where there's still excellent value. And I still think underlying... And in my 17, 18 years of doing this, you still have a large number of customers who want to build the new home. Yeah, regardless, yeah. Yeah, they still want to build the new home. And I, th I think the new norm as it, as it is, I think people have maybe got to start thinking a little bit more high level in a macro sense because when I look at the WA market, we're still one of the most affordable in the country. 
I still think spending six hundred, six fifty thousand on new home and land in a lot of suburbs of Perth represents excellent value. And we're probably seeing that, I mean, you probably would have seen it as well, Trent. We're seeing that from the number of investors that are now purchasing in Western Australia and have faith in our market. Well, let's segue to investors because when we were talking before we went on air, you were expressing to me that a high proportion of the people who are buying vacant lots off of you at the moment, a very, very high proportion, are East Coast investors. Correct, yep. Tell us a bit about that and how that might have compared to three, four years ago. Yeah, so it's changed dramatically. There's always been investors looking at the WA market, but in terms of the volumes we're seeing now, it's it's increased a lot. In terms of the exact numbers, I couldn't tell you, but on average in WA, historically, new land sales, probably 20% investors. I think we'd be 50% or upwards potentially at the moment. Is that because a high percentage of them are East Coast people? A high percentage of those people are being sold the idea of a great yield that they don't get in the East Coast and they see value in our market even at a house and land new build space whereas local investors are still a bit burnt from the last cycle and local owner-occupied buyers are looking to move into something tomorrow? All of the above and I think it comes down to there's no hesitancy with those buyers. So I think a lot of the East Coast buyers have confidence from their market. From the last 10 years of experience in their life. Yes, exactly right. So A, they can afford to do it. B, there's a confidence factor. And I think when we look at those macroeconomic factors, they look at WA. Getting an established home is hard. We all know that. The listings are low. No one can get a rental. We've got, what, 44,000 jobs, I think I last heard, that are vacant in this state. And we're going to cop migration rates through the roof. The business we're in property is supply and demand. So if you look at all the demand that's coming, we currently don't have the supply. We're not getting any time soon. In my opinion, the savvy investors who've done it before on the East Coast are looking at this going, we've done this before. What's about to happen in WA has happened here. <laughs> Let's not miss out. And Whereas that's, the, we've the seen West it Coast up, ones are still yeah. sitting on their hands, aren't they? Yes, majority are. Do I blame them? Potentially not because they probably don't have the evidence to back it up. Well, they're, gonna, they're, they're only just getting their equity back in most yeah. spaces, in that, in, especially in the investor space. Mm-hmm. Even if they have got their equity back, they were burnt mm-hmm. for the better part of a decade so they're coming off of that negative vibe, that once burnt, twice shy, or fool me once, fool me twice sort of emotion. And the East Coast guys are coming off of a huge high going, mate, I'm the smartest fella in the room here. This is easy. And I'll, I'll, Give me three of these. Thank you. Exactly yeah. right. And look, I'll, I'll put my hand up. As you know, Trent, I'm originally from the East Coast before I moved here 12, 13 years ago. I was calling... Uh, the Sydney, which is my hometown, the Sydney market a bubble for about the last 10 years. I'm saying mm. it, it can't continue. And as we've seen, okay, yes, in the last 12 months, it's maybe come back 10, 12% and people are going, oh, the run's ended. But you've got to look over the last 10 years, the Sydney market probably went up 50 to 60%. So even taking off your 10, 12%, those people have made 45% on their properties. Mm. I even now look at the Brisbane, the Gold Coast, where I spent some time, Back when I was living there, once again, people were doubting that market. But look at Gold Coast and Brisbane now with population growth. Oh, yeah, they, they're really smashing on. And I think it's only natural that WA is probably the last market in Australia, maybe take out South Australia, I'm not sure where that's at. But WA, I think with everything going for it, with the population that's coming, we run slightly different to the rest of the country. I just think there's good times ahead. I just think it will probably take a couple of months for some of those hesitancy reasons to float away well in the meantime the east coast buyer is the early bird that gets the worm at the moment now 
a high, high percentage of investors, high, high percentage being East Coast, that is saturated in the land development space. Obviously, the new land estates going up north to Yanchep, going down south into Mandra, certainly seems to be at a specific price point as well. Can you talk to that price point where you're seeing most of the buying aggression right now and why that is? The price point now is probably they're looking at 550 for house and land. So where does that leave the land? So land, you need to be around the 200 mark. Bearing in mind, investor needs a fully finished home, including the front rear landscaping, et cetera, et cetera. That leaves them a comfortable 350 for a standard four-bedroom, single-story home. Look, we were at a point last year where even the investors were looking upwards of 700, but it's definitely come back to around that 550. So land needs to be around 200. Is that because of interest rates? Yeah, interest rates. And as as we've just discussed, Sydney market came off a little, so their equity and their current property has maybe come off a little. And I wouldn't say that's the worst thing. We desperately need rental properties Mm -hmm. in Perth right now. In a normal market, I would suggest that having a high percentage of investors, especially from the east who are sort of a locust Mm -hmm. swarm who come and go when it works for Mm -hmm. them, which can put a lot of volatility on our market, is a bad thing. And I'd say that medium term, it's not the best thing. But in the short term, any investor we can find right now will help because we need rental properties. Let's contrast that though with the land market from 250000 to 500000 So we're not talking about your Yancheps, your Catalina Estates, your Alcamosas, these sort of places anymore. We're talking about Madeley, Lansdale, Darch, Hocking, Canyonvale, these hmm. sort of areas, Southern River. What's the experience been for you over the last 12 months? Volumes, as I said, started maybe coming off those areas towards the back end of last year with interest rates. So those areas you're talking about predominantly have been second, third, fourth home buyers. So less investors, more downsizers. Downsizers, upgraders. Upsizers. Yeah, upsizers, yeah. So look, uh, generally a mix of those. And look, it was only natural that the demand there was going to come off in the short term. Most of those customers already own a home, so they're majority of those would be paying a mortgage on it. With the interest rate rise they've had, their mortgage has gone up X amount over the last 12 months, which then makes it harder for them to transact on a block of land. Mm. Now, even if they wanted to transact trend, the issue they've got is, hypothetically, they'd sell the house first, buy a block of land, engage a builder. Where were they meant to live for the next two years while the house has been built? So what's happened there is they've just sat tight, waiting to see what's going to happen with interest rates, where things settle down. And I think once that occurs, some of those customers will then go, okay, build timeframes have become more consistent, interest rate rises are gone, we're now in a position to make an informed decision of our next move. It's all about mitigating risk. When you think about a house and land package or building on a vacant lot compared to the established market, the big difference there is the risk mitigation on time and quality of build and existence of builder at the end of it, right? These are all things that a lot of buyers haven't had to deal with for many years, for decades before. It's never been a consideration, really, will my builder be around when the build's done? Now that's been such a concern, I think there's so many reasons to not build. There have been for the last year and a half. Price, time, will the builder be around? What quality will it be? You see all the horror stories of people who haven't had a slab down in two years still with some of the larger building companies who took on way too much work with the build grants. As you said, when some of those risk factors start to come off mm. naturally, like build time, like, well, I guess the builder's probably gotten through the worst of it now. He'll probably be all right now. But I think more specifically, 
the comparison between the established market and the house and land end of price that will be when people start making that decision in the downsizer upsizer space and in that second third home space it's a very logical decision these people have to mm. make right now especially in your canyon vales or your madalies those real family strongholds where people have been in their house for 20 years already house has paid off they then have to look at the established market as their comparison to whether there is value whereas in the cheaper land subdivisions there's not a lot to compare to exactly this right. is the new yeah. price right whereas in canyon Valley, they know most of these lovely big homes on 700 squares are worth seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to nine hundred thousand dollars now which is crazy for some people to think they paid one hundred fifty thousand back in 2001 <laughs> but that's what it's worth right so you need to make sure that your property is at least worth that so you can downsize into a house and land package on 400 square meters that you enjoy for that price or less Correct. If you can't do that because your house isn't at that value yet or the build cost is just way too much, you're not going to make that decision as well as piling on the will the builder be around issues. Yeah, and then throw in, will I get a rental if I... <laughs> That's right. I think the thing we're seeing on that, and I think everything you said is is exactly right, there's just few too many reasons where people aren't getting that certainty in that segment of the market. The one thing we're consistently seeing, which gives me my optimistic outlook on the industry is a number of customers we speak to in that demographic who are still inquiring and they're saying we're not doing anything yet we will be doing something or we will be buying in the estate you're selling we just need three six nine months for things to settle down then we'll make that decision do you think the biggest concern they have is they need to sell their house to finance the purchase and they don't know where they will live in the meantime it's a big factor it's definitely a big factor because what we find in those second, third, fourth home buyer estates is most buyers come from the immediate area. So they're already living in the area. They've walked past yeah. that estate going, oh, well, I think we'll, we'll inquire there when we see the sign up. Exactly right. Yep. So we're getting all that inquiry, all those factors settled down, and you'll start seeing some of these customers transact in the second half of this calendar year. Yeah, I'm just very optimistic it's going to happen just based on the number of people we speak to weekly looking to do something when, as you've rightly said, they've got some certainty about where they're going to be, what they're going to do, how they're going to do it. You got any success stories at the moment? We get success stories. I mean, as you know, we market some larger states, 5,000, a lot of states. We also market- That's a suburb. Yeah. Well, it is in that sense. And then we also market some smaller infill estates, which I like to call them. So we've had one recently, which we're coming to the back end of in terms of sales point of view down in Wannanup. So Wannanup, for those listeners who don't know where that is, is down south of Mandra coastal area so we had 36 lots there and they're all selling around the 220 225 mark will have sold out that estate prior to titles being issued so that probably would have sold out in six months of sales 400 450 square meter lots it's going against the trend of the current commentary isn't it on how the land market's performing yeah and look it's got a lot of factors in favor a the price point for the size of the lot, going back to talking about the second, third, fourth home buyers for a 450 square meter lot, they'd be paying 350,000 closer to the city. But here you're paying 220. You're a kilometer from the beach, you know, from the marina, et cetera, et cetera. It is a very good location. They're good sized lots. So it's got a lot going in its favor. One thing going back to probably COVID and the the last boom, let's call it, is what COVID has done is there's a lot more customers even now who don't need to be close to Perth City. Whilst ideally people want to, because if you look back at the history of property, the closer the city you are, the the better the growth, etc. A lot more people we speak to when you ask about where they're working, it's at home. 
So estates like this have probably had another little uptick from that as well. Have you got any examples of where it's probably struggling still and you, you've got your fingers crossed for changes in the future? Any estates at the moment where land is 300 plus are the ones that are probably at a holding pattern. You'll get the odd sale because there's always someone in that market who's ready and willing to do something. Those projects though, look, you, you still got to put your best foot forward in selling and marketing these properties, but I just think it's going to take a set of another three or four months till those buyers come back strongly into the market. But they will come. They well, will they come. have to. When we're in the city's worst ever supply situation on record per capita, it'll be like a stampede at the gate. Mm. At some point in time, the established market in that suburb won't offer any value compared to a house and land purchase, which was the norm back in 2017, 2018, for example. It was cheaper to build than buy established. Mm. And there'll be no rentals. People will start moving back into the house and land when they stop hearing about building companies falling over, when they've settled their finance, they know what they can get. When the building companies start marketing again because they actually need work, which is something that we haven't spoken about, there's really been no interest from any builders for about a year now to actually look for work, which has been a big sales channel, I guess, for the land space. When that next generation of young buyers who otherwise would have been available but have put their purchasing decision forward a couple of years with the build grant, start to come through again. I think you've hit the nail on the head there as well. A clear indication where you probably start seeing sales volumes increase is when some builders start doing their retail offers. So like you said, they haven't had to look for work. Mm. When you start seeing retail the kitchen offers, package. The kitchen package, the aircon, you might even see the odd developer do a retail offer. TV advertisement. Yeah, yeah, that's when you know the big builders, the developers need the volume. But look, I still think overall the industry is still very well placed. I don't know too many developers that are, are panicking. I wouldn't say they're panicking at all. I think it's steady as she goes, particularly in that middle demographic we talked about. The investors and first home buyers are still ticking along nicely. Everyone's just waiting for that middle demographic to come back. And in my mind, end of the year, you'll see another surge. Damon Strang, Able Land Sales, thank you very much for coming in, mate. I'm sure we'll have another chat on the land market in good times to come. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Trent. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!